Hello, everybody. This is Marshall Poe. I'm the editor of the New Books Network. NBN listeners like to read books and buy them. So we thought we'd tell you that right now, our friends at Princeton University Press are having a remarkable site-wide sale. You can get 50% off books, including ebooks and audiobooks, with the code 50, F-I-F-T-Y, at checkout until May 31. You can save some real money on Princeton University Press books. I encourage you to go there and check it out. New Books in Economics, brought to you by EAEPE, the European Association for Evolutionary Political... New Books in Economics, brought to you by EAEPE, the European Association for Evolutionary Political Economy. Hi, welcome to this new episode of New Books in Economics. I'm Carlo Di Politi, an economist at Sapienza University of Rome, and I'll be hosting uh, the episode today jointly with Andrea Bernardi from Oxford Brookes University. Hi, Andrea. Good morning, Professor. Today we will present Reconstruction Urban Economics by Franklin Gobengodou, published in 2016 by Z Books. Hi, Franklin. Uh, good evening from Sydney, Australia. <laughs> Franklin, uh, just to start this episode, could you maybe introduce yourself? I teach urban economics and political economy at the University of Technology, Sydney in Australia. Uh, I'm also associate editor of the Forum for Social Economics and the substantive editor of the African Review of Economics and Finance. Okay. Uh, well, before you come, we come to your reconstruction in urban economics, just to break the ice, you know, uh, what book do you think we should talk about next time? Or what book would you recommend to our listeners? I would recommend, in fact, warmly recommend uh, Edward O'Donnell's book, Henry George and the Crisis of Inequality. Uh, on the basis that uh, it's a timely uh, effort or, or uh, attempt to bring to a wider audience in clear and accessible language the essence of George's political economy. Now, this real Henry George, as I'd like to call it, um, can be fundamentally important in explaining the nature of the current Gilded Age. Um, its consequences for society, uh, for economy, and for environment, and how we might uh, be able to transcend this age uh, of progress and poverty. Great, great. Uh, but today we are here to talk about your Reconstruction Urban Economics, uh, the book which has a subtitle Towards a Political Economy of the Built Environment is a very comprehensive analysis of the main issues and policies in the field of urban economics and urban planning. Uh, it has, a, I would say, a distinctively pluralist approach and is structured in three parts. Uh, first, uh, establishing the principles for urban progress uh, is a rather critical review of the field. Then the part two concerns uh, analyzing material conditions in cities. And then a part three, about creating a social, ecologically sensitive future. Now, Franklin, uh, who is the target reader of your book? I'd like to say everybody, uh, but especially three groups of readers. Uh, first, anyone who believes that uh, the future of our cities is too important to be left in the hands of economists alone. Uh, second, anyone who is dissatisfied uh, with the great inequalities uh, that exist side by side uh, with islands of uh, affluence in our cities. And three, anyone who would like to better understand our cities in order uh, uh, to help to make them more inclusive uh, and sustainable. In short, I believe that uh, this book uh, is for anyone who is interested in or even uh, is prepared to join hands uh, to help reclaim urban economics as a pluralist social science. Uh, if I may interrupt, uh, if I'm not wrong, you teach, uh, you work in a school of the built environment, uh, the University of Technology, Sydney. So uh, actually you are already in an interdisciplinary place, uh, at least for, for an economist. Uh, so I would like to ask, is this a good environment for you to put in place the ambition that we read also in your book? 
Yes and no. Yes, because <laughs> I have colleagues who work on uh, property development uh, and colleagues who are working in planning um, uh, generally. But at the same time, uh, the School of Built Environment is quite uh, separate and works in, in, in different structures from um, uh, the, the Faculty of uh, Business uh, and, and Economics, which means that uh, on the one hand, I'm able to learn and draw on uh, the insights from my colleagues in the School of Build Environment. But on the other hand, I'm not able to directly engage um, colleagues uh, who work in economics. Uh -huh. So in this sense, uh, the Indian Association for Evolutionary Political Economy and other progressive associations such as the Association for Social Economics uh, help to bring some kind of contest and bring uh, people together in, in a way that will, uh, um, uh, can help me to bring um, the message of the book to other economists. I will say the sort of issues that you are highlighting as very are very common on interdisciplinary works, but maybe it's part of the fun of it, right? But uh, let me ask you, um, why do you think urban, urban economics is such an important field? And how did you personally come to study it? Uh, I would like to put the case for urban economics in three ways. First, cities have become increasingly central to economic processes today, uh, and they are, for that reason, fundamental to the process of social change. Uh, second, relative to other domains of economics, uh, political economists have not offered as much critical engagement with this uh, field, also dominated uh, by mainstream uh, approaches, which is quite unfortunate because um, it is a field uh, to which political economists uh, can make uh, important contributions. And that leads me to um, my third point. Uh, urban economics provides a fruitful avenue or even a fruitful approach uh, to develop wider and more comprehensive uh, political economic uh, alternatives. Uh, certainly, that's how I myself came to this field. Um, I did a bachelor's degree in land economy, uh, a field to which I was attracted because of the centrality of land and rent to the pursuit of justice. Um, uh, complementing uh, land economics is urban economics. And so I took a master's degree in urban economics at the University of London and then did a PhD uh, in political economy. Now I teach both urban economics and political economy. So uh, personally, um, this has been my own um, trajectory. I, I would say that um, urban economics uh, is an important um, uh, channel to study or an important way uh, or approach uh, to study wider political economy. But even setting aside my own personal trajectory, there are other eminent political economists who have come to the field uh, by this way, that is through the study of urban economics. Uh, I here highlight um, uh, David Harvey, the eminent uh, political economist, and uh, the leading urban economist and political economist in Australia, Frank Stewart. So, in short, I would say urban economics is quite central uh, to political economy. Yeah, but uh, let me play the devil's advocate for just for once. Um, you started from a program called Land Economy, and you uh, arrived writing about uh, this, the urban economy. And even in your very few uh, first answers that you gave now, uh, you very much talk about the city, which I do agree and understand. It's it's a really uh, crucial uh, topic. But uh, would you say that? Uh, the landscape outside of cities is a little bit possibly understudied or um, not considered enough by policymakers. I'll definitely say so. That um, uh, the field is not um, 
as appreciated as it should uh, it should be. Indeed, uh, in one encounter at the London School of Economics, David Harvey mentioned uh, to his mostly enthusiastic uh, audience that uh, even serious economists don't do urban economics. So even within the mainstream, urban economics is underappreciated. Mm -hmm. Okay. But uh, coming back to your book, Reconstruction uh, Urban Economics, uh, what do you think uh, are the two, three main messages of the book? I know this is very terrible to ask uh, to an author, but if you should summarize the book in just two, three minutes, what would you say? I actually think you did a good job of giving that overview. In addition to that, um, I would say uh, the, the following. Uh, one, that the mainstream economics of cities and regions is fundamentally inadequate. Mm -hmm. Two, that pluralist urban economics can better enhance uh, understanding of our cities and regions. And three, that uh, this alternative pluralist urban economics approach uh, can provide more effective range of policies to improve the quality of urban society, uh, the quality of urban economy, and the quality of the urban environment. Well, uh, would you like to tell us something more about uh, the, the, what you called the mainstream economic approach to urban economics, and why do you think it is so faulty? My Criticisms or disagreements with the mainstream approach to urban economics um, is both uh, methodological and ontological. Uh, um, it is also uh, related uh, to problems or disagreements about which values ought to be highlighted uh, in social science um, analysis. The mainstream approach is characterized by uh, spatial separatism. Uh, it's characterized by methodological individualism, and it is characterized um, by methodological nationalism and uh, um, an obsessive uh, impulse uh, to continuously look at growth mania or to emphasize growth over and above everything else. Um, it totally dis, uh, disregards marginalist or marginal uh, voices um, from the state, marginal voices, but also uh, cities on the periphery uh, from the study of urban economics generally. And, I, and I, so, um, well, I, I was wondering if it could help you to define uh, your approach to uh, pluralist and heterodox economics, uh, a connection with uh, the work of Myrdal, because we uh, discovered your book because you submitted it uh, for the EAP uh, Myrdal Prize, which is the book for, for the prize for books, and we liked it very much, even if uh, it was not awarded the prize. So what could be the link between Myrdal, your book, and in general the field of heterodox economics? Um, it's important to step back a little bit uh, from the book and focus on uh, the process of actually uh, doing the research and writing uh, the book. I spent some time at the United Nations Research Institute for Social Development, which was co-founded by Myrdal himself. Uh, there at Onrist, as it is uh, fondly called, I engaged with institutional, um, original institutional uh, economists to help me better develop the institutional foundations um, of political economy uh, of cities. So I wrote part of the book while I was a research fellow at Onrist, where the work of um, Myrdal uh, is very much alive uh, and is very much uh, encouraged. Uh, the trifecta for my book 
can be said to be institutionalism, um, uh, ideas in Marxist political economy, and ideas in Georgist political economy. From middle, I borrow the uh, important notion of secular and cumulative uh, causation uh, to help me analyze um, the path dependencies and the processes of urban um, development, um, which tend uh, to um, inequalities get worse over time. But because I work um, in, um, I, I draw on the work of Miedel too, I, I see possibilities um, uh, of intervening in this process of uh, secular and cumulative causation in order to help bridge uh, or help overcome the tendency for capitalist urban development uh, to create um, uh, progress uh, alongside uh, poverty. Yeah, Franklin, um, since you mentioned uh, the, the Georgist approach to economics, uh, I would argue that this is uh, possibly less well-known outside of the US than other heterodox econ economics approaches, such as the institutional, the Marxist, that you also uh, very much apply in your book. Uh, would you say something more about the Georgist approach and how has this been useful in your analysis in the book? Absolutely uh, uh, central. Um, often when people talk about Henry George, they just think of land tax. But land tax is not the essence of Georgism at all. Uh, George was fundamentally interested uh, in the coexistence of progress and poverty. George was interested in in developing an analysis of why uh, societies uh, tend to become unequal, even as uh, their processes of growth and processes uh, of prosperity. And the central idea in George that I use for the book is the notion of rent, the idea that in the process of urban development, uh, the privatization of land generates uh, forces that allow uh, a rent to be transferred from those who actually work to those who do no work, landlords to be more specific. Mm -hmm. Okay, but uh, coming back to today, uh, what do you think are the main open issues in urban development, uh, in the geographical and spatial organization of society? Uh, cities are normally said to be uh, of the tensions and contradictions um, in capitalist societies. But cities also generate their own uh, tensions and contradictions. Um, problems of inequality, as I've alluded to, but there are also um, problems of what I call urban ecocide, uh, arising from fossil-dependent um, urban transport um, and private, um, private um, property development uh, in cities. Often it is said that it is the size of cities um, that um, is the problem, or that um, cities have these problems of progress and poverty uh, because of poor urban planning. Um, I argue in this book that these are um, important, uh, but what is even more important, uh, the institutions of urban development themselves, um, institutions that continuously uh, create processes in which producers keep transferring um, rent uh, to non-producers. But uh, may I interrupt you with another question, which is, uh, would you summarize your book as uh, predominantly a book about the problems of cities or also the opportunities of cities? I see that you have quoted only once uh, Richard Florida, for example, and his work on the creative class 
which is about uh, predominantly the opportunities of the concentration of resources and ability to innovate uh, in the cities. Innovate not only from an economic and entrepreneurial point of view, but also innovate uh, in the society itself and its ability to welcome uh, diversity, for example. So is this book predominantly about problems of cities or also about uh, opportunities within cities? Of course, all also, definitely also about opportunities uh, in cities. The book is not only about problems. Uh, the book is about how the problems that we normally talk about in cities are dialectically related to the opportunities that are created in cities. The book is about uh, not only about these problems, and the opportunities and how they are dialectically related. It's also about possibilities of transcending uh, this dilemma and about how we can better understand or analyze urban and regional development. But Franklin, uh, concerning the main issues, you mentioned um, the whole uh, issue about transport and reliance on fossil fuels um, and the, the idea of sustainable human development, which are two of the three uh, chapters of your, your last part of the book. But I would say that coming from a, a European perspective, uh, the third uh, chapter in this part of the book concerning housing uh, seems to me to be possibly one of the most pressing uh, social issues. Do you think I'm biased because I'm coming from Europe or, or is this a worldwide uh, issue? I believe this is a worldwide issue. Um, the crisis, which some would say is continuing, um, was significantly um, influenced by the process of um, private um, real estate development and uh, very problematic uh, mortgage financing mechanisms. So it is not, I would argue, not just uh, a, a, um, a Eurocentric view as you, as you suggest or a European bias. I would think this is a global problem, uh, a problem of uh, the right to housing generally. Well, but then uh, coming to the positive part, as Andrea was suggesting, uh, could you tell us something about the sort of policies or policy recommendations that emerge from analysis, from your analysis, uh, possibly in the fields of housing or transport or the ecological transition? You tell me. Urban analysis, no, urban analysis, you like to see that urban analysis is, is complex. So which policy recommendation um, one makes, as you have correctly pointed out, uh, depends on which sector of urban society is the focus of analysis. In my book, as you've pointed out, I analyze and suggest policy changes uh, for sectors as diverse as, as you've pointed out, housing, transport, land, urban economies, trade, and the environment. I will, however, emphasize uh, the power of redesigning the institutions of urban land to prevent the continuing transfer of rent from producers uh, to non-producers, for example, through uh, land taxation, um, investing the resulting revenues in funds for public purposes, such as safe public parks, safe and effective public transport, and decent public housing for all. Uh, informal economies that organize into social enterprises and cooperatives can receive public support. So in contrast to uh, the mainstream uh, approach that uh, such spaces could be left alone uh, with all their uh, precarity or such the engineering specific approach or urban planning specific approach that such places uh, could be destroyed. I recommend that um, when such places are able to be organized uh, into cooperatives or social enterprises, they can usefully receive uh, public support. But these are only examples of uh, more systematically demonstrated policy proposals uh, intended to enhance inclusive and sustainable urban development. Yeah, but just uh, concerning this uh, Euro or US centrism, uh, one of the pages I liked in your book concerned the role of a colonial legacy 
in the so-called um, developing countries. Uh, how is this relevant for, for urban planning and urban economics? Um, it's, it is common for northern perspectives, called uh, European perspectives, but northern perspectives generally, to exaggerate uh, their own importance or to stress their excellence and, and patronize the South as, quote, rising to become more like the North. Uh, but some Southern perspectives can also overstate the uniqueness of the South, uh, sometimes romanticizing certain features of Southern cities as culture, for example. Uh, and still aspiring for development in quotes, cast in modernist terms. I think it is more useful uh, to consider the North and the South as dialectically uh, related on uneven and on um, on equal terms. They are, in fact, you know, different sides uh, of of the same coin. So it, rather than either focusing on northern cities, which is the bias, which is an important bias in mainstream uh, urban economics, or focusing on uh, southern cities, which can be quite uh, a big feature of uh, some post-colonial type of, of research, I find it more useful to emphasize the dialectical relationship uh, between uh, the north um, in, in the if, if I may join the conversation now at this point, North and South, uh, I, I've noticed that in your book, uh, if I'm not wrong, uh, you don't uh, discuss a special uh, provision of uh, Chinese constitution, which is uh, the public state ownership of uh, urban land. Uh, which is uh, an hybrid uh, which allows the state to preserve the ownership, but nevertheless uh, to allow developers uh, to do their business, uh, in particular in urban environments. Uh, do you consider this um, a strange relic of the past or, or, or still an interesting experiment? I do definitely consider this to be an important experiment uh, in uh, George's political economy. Indeed, in the book, I refer to the work of Xinhuan Kui, um, uh, the great Chinese um, uh, political economist who writes on um, the, the so-called uh, Chongqing experiment um, in the light of theories of Henry George, uh, James Mead, and Antonio uh, Gramsci. So, in, in short, and Andre, I consider this to be an, an important uh, alternative uh, to the dominant view of selling out all, all urban land. Oh, very interesting. I, I missed it. Very interesting. I will go back to it. So, Franklin, um, what, what would you say is special about your book? What, what singles it out from other books in the field of, of urban economics? The field, as you use it in your question, um, Carlo, is quite narrow. That is, books that uh, seek to reconstruct urban economics are few. Among them are um, um, the book The Coming City, um, titles such as A Preface to Urban Economics, uh, the Economy of Cities, Charles Gore's book, Regions in Question, um, the book of my own teacher, Understanding Cities uh, and Regions, uh, a book by uh, Kui, uh, whose name I mentioned, uh, I mentioned the book and just mentioned to Andre on Nanjing Village, uh, but others on, on um, the South, like African Urban Economies or Planning Power, and in more recent times, uh, the work by the Finnish uh, Urban Economist, uh, Urban Political Economist, uh, Urban Land uh, Rent. Uh, but apart from trying to update this small body of uh, of knowledge, my book tries to bring together various uh, unique uh, features. I think that one of these is providing a more global uh, perspective. 
Uh, most urban economics uh, would focus, as I said earlier, on cities uh, in the north. Uh, but in, in, in contrast, uh, this book uh, seeks to prove how differently we could understand urban economics uh, if we look at the relationships uh, between uh, the north uh, and the south. In this process, I think Marxist analysis is definitely uh, important, but also important, as I've mentioned earlier, um, ideas from institutionalism uh, and Georgism and the wider category of post-colonialism. So the book seeks to combine uh, these insights in a transdisciplinary framework uh, that questions existing approaches um, and analyzes material um, uh, conditions in cities while investigating ways of making cities uh, more inclusive uh, and more sustainable. Uh, simultaneously, uh, the book tries or aspires to be of interest for researchers, uh, for teachers, for policy makers, and uh, for activists as well. But um, in trying to be more comprehensive, to overcome the, the narrow approach that, that you just referred to, um, you at the very first, uh, at the very beginning of our uh, conversation, referred to differences in how urban planning is practiced or studied by economists as opposed by uh, scholars in other fields, uh, from architecture to, to planning or, or to even others. Uh, what would you think characterizes the approach of economists as opposed to, approach, to the approach of these other scholars? Well, economists, um, the, the one, uh, if there's one feature that characterizes um, the mainstream approach to the study of urban economics, uh, it is what uh, my senior colleague Charles Gore once referred to as spatial separatism. This is the idea that it is possible uh, um, to look at cities as uh, as a complete or as, as a kind of independent space, independent from the wider uh, social space within which uh, they are embedded, and then analyze um, cities from that perspective without considering their relationship or their position in the wider society, and and certainly without considering their position in the wider world system. Urban planners uh, tend to do a bit, uh, do their work in, in a different way. Um, they are very specific uh, to particularities of place, uh, but they do not usually consider the underlying political economic forces or even underlying uh, economic systems and how uh, they, shape, they shape cities. In my book, I I draw, um, as I say, because it is pluralist, I draw and I engage uh, the work of urban planners and engage the work of even mainstream urban economists, but I do more than just engaging these ideas. I borrow from wider, the wider fields of, um, of political economy, and, and in particular institutionalism, which is a very well developed field for understanding social provisioning and social context. Well, I, I should so say... In this, sense, in this sense, analytically, uh, the book is quite... Um, is, is fundamentally different from the existing approaches uh, to doing uh, urban economics. In relation to uh, uh, the more progressive uh, field um, um, and the contribution to uh, this progressive field, my book is a lot more uh, global uh, because uh, these, these, um, these uh, existing books tend uh, to focus on also particular cities or usually they focus on uh, cities in the global in the global north or or in the global south. Whereas I try to look at the interrelationships uh, between uh, the cities in the north uh, and the cities in the south. But uh, Carlo, as I mentioned, my disagreement um, or my contribution to this field is not just in 
terms of ideas, but also in terms of pluralism of voices. And so I engage um, insights from voices that have been traditionally marginalized uh, uh, from uh, the study of political economy uh, are more, more widely. Well, this, this point about pluralism leads me to, well, I don't know, a funny thought. Uh, I really am not an expert in urban planning or urban economics. Uh, the sort of uh, topics I deal with possibly put me in contact with uh, sociologists or demographers or other sorts of, of social scientists. And I might say uh, what often surprised me is that um, the, the very few uh, economics that, that these other social scientists use is very often neoclassical marginalist economies. I do not know why, possibly because it is the most diffused, maybe it's the only one they were uh, taught at the university, or possibly it's very easy, you know, you just refer to supply, demand and changes in prices. But in the end, uh, I'm always a little bit disappointed that there is no, uh, I, there is no greater awareness of the very many uh, economic approaches that exist among the other social scientists. Do you feel this is the same in uh, concerning urban planners or social scientists that, that deal with urban issues? Um, I'll, I'll say I'll say for the most part yes that that is correct. Um, one way to to judge uh, just how pervasive uh, this mainstream is, even in urban planning um, and urban sociology, uh, is to look at the various reports uh, that begin with the with the phrase "state of the." So, state of the world cities or state of African cities uh, reports uh, on display usually are various approaches in the mainstream. But having said that, um, there are important exceptions. For example, the African American urban sociologist William G. Josh Wilson at Harvard University uh, draws on progressive current uh, in his um, uh, urban analysis, um, in his analysis of uh, race. Um, for example, uh, he discounts uh, ideas about uh, the culture of poverty, which is normally used by uh, mainstream uh, urban sociologists and even mainstream economists uh, to dismiss or to uh, define or explain the existence and persistence of wealth stratification uh, amongst um, minority groups uh, in cities. Uh -huh. if, I, if I may talk about minorities, uh, the book mentions the global cities and there are also classifications of global cities and we see this type of classifications often. Uh, my question is, uh, is it uh, the, the um, arrival of the mega cities, the super global cities, uh, an issue of uh, inequality within those cities or predominantly an issue of inequality among cities, uh, among global cities and among cities in the same nation, and so imbalance of resources domestically and internationally? I will I will say Andre that it's a combination of um, of all these. Uh, to give an example, uh, um, the the so-called global cities um, such as London, um, uh, responsible for financing uh, processes of accumulation uh, by dispossession in in the global south, and so uh, the position of prestige in the hierarchy of cities um, is in part very much responsible for maintaining that hierarchy over space and uh, over time, across space and, and over time. So London is not only a problem for the rest of England and for Scotland, but also of course for the, for the rest of the planet. Precisely so. And so it is possible then for um, the discharge of, of the so-called global cities uh, to be recycled uh, in, uh, in 
formal economies in uh, so-called globalizing cities or ordinary cities, as uh, scholars have referred, uh, have called them. Franklin, um, coming back to your book, Reconstruction in Urban Economics, you possibly, while you were preparing for our talk today, uh, possibly you were coming back to it, reading some chapters or some specific pages. Now, uh, coming, back, coming back to it after a few months, what are you especially proud of about the book? And on the other hand, with hindsight, what would you possibly have done differently if you were to rewrite it today? I feel proud that I have at least tried to develop a one-stop shop alternative to orthodox urban economics. I feel proud that I have tried at least uh, to state the thesis grappled with the antithesis and tried to formulate a synthesis. Um, I don't suggest that I have done all these very successfully. I could have been broader in the range of geographical examples that I have used. Um, I could also have given a bit more room uh, for new topics in urban economics, especially the applied work on cost-benefit analysis. Analytically, I could have been clearer in my exposition uh, of my trifecta of Georgism, Marxism, and institutionalism. Given uh, the chance to write a second edition in the future, I would uh, also present my arguments uh, even more clearly. However, I cannot uh, regret um, writing the book because the essence uh, of the analysis uh, uh, remains or, or would remain even if I had a second I have a chance to write, write the book. Uh, again, and I am able to have all these reflections precisely uh, because I wrote the book and others have given uh, me this feedback. Absolutely, I totally agree. Uh, in fact, uh, it was me that proposed to do this um, short conversation because I had the occasion to read the book when you submitted it for the E.P. Mirta Prize. And it was possibly my favorite, personally speaking. But overall, how has the book been received? Uh, thanks, for, thanks for that, uh, Carol. Um, the book, I think I need to proceed a bit more carefully here. Uh, academics, academic books can or could take a while to make their impact. Um, so I can only be very modest uh, here. Still, there are some indications, or there are indications that uh, there is some interest in the book. Um, we have been invited to develop a series that further develops uh, the key lines of analysis uh, contained in the book. I am also aware that uh, the book is on the reading list of uh, some course this on offer at universities, uh, at a few universities uh, in Europe, uh, in, in the UK and in Austria, uh, to be precise. The book has been uh, reviewed in magazines such as Land and Liberty in the UK. Um, the book has also received uh, a review in the education journal called uh, Australian Universities uh, Review. In urban studies, the book has been reviewed in the leading journal, uh, Urban Policy and Research. While in economics, it has the book has been reviewed uh, in the Radical Economics Journal called uh, Journal of Australian Political Economy, and uh, surprise, surprise, in the mainstream economics journal called The Economic Record. All these uh, reviews have suggested ways of improving the book, but uh, overall, they are very encouraging, even uh, the review in, in the mainstream economic journal. No, this is a very good record. Congratulations. And also, Z-Books is a, a very good publisher. I'm sure it will be able to reach also the non-experts, the lay readers. Well, thank you very much. But when you say it was um, adopted in courses, uh, would you recommend uh, the book for students at the undergraduate or the graduate level? I would recommend the book for both 
levels. Um, for, the re for the reason that I wrote the book um, with an eye on trying to encourage um, younger researchers uh, and students uh, to be interested uh, in urban economics, uh, to be interested particularly in urban economics as a pluralist uh, social science. Okay, but then since you mentioned Austria just a few seconds ago, I feel pulled to ask you a question. Um, a, a, specific, a specific case that I know because of my personal experience is the city of Vienna. And uh, in Vienna, uh, the city council has a very long tradition of having been possibly the largest um, landlord in the city. So they have a very... I would say progressive policy of renting out a very large number of housing units, uh, especially to uh, people with, with lower incomes, but not exclusively. Uh, and, and I would say it is a very um, success case in the European context. But do you think this sort of heavy public intervention is only possible in, in richer countries? Absolutely not. Um, I'm convinced that looking at how much rent is transferred from producers to non-producers in poorer regions, if institutions were redesigned to capture uh, these windfalls that go to um, transnational corporations and others, uh, other interests, landed interests, capitalist interests uh, that do not work for them, uh, it would be possible uh, for the poorer, for the cities in uh, in the poorer regions, to be able to fund such important uh, public interventions. I see. So, if you if we should draw some conclusions, what do you think are the main topics that remain open for future research in the field of urban economics? Uh, as I said, we are trying to establish a book series uh, to develop uh, this field some more. Uh, and as you put it, uh, uh, to publish uh, research uh, further uh, in this area. Themes that uh, would suit the series uh, could include urban economic growth, uh, urban high hierarchies, resource cities, urban segregation, urban commons, green jobs and urban development, informal economies, racing the cities, migrants uh, and global cities, even artists in social and solidarity economies. Um, the topics are open, but the common features of um, these topics and the books that we and research public in this series are uh, that they engage, they challenge and transcend mainstream urban uh, economics from a transdisciplinary, truly global perspective. Uh, uh, now I have a question, but I, I should have made this question at the beginning because it's a very complex question. But if you don't mind, there's a conclusionary question. You know, in the past uh, five years, we moved in, in the planet to a predominantly urban environment, so now more than 50% of the world population lives in cities, and this predominantly, well, the statistics moved predominantly because of China. Uh, can we imagine a future, maybe in uh, decades and decades to come, where this trend is averted? Is it uh, for granted that uh, people will always in the future try to move towards urban environment, or there might be a reverse trend towards the countryside, towards farming, towards uh, living uh, in the peripheries of the world? Absolutely, the latter. There is no, uh, um, um, you know, the um, mainstream urban economists tend uh, to think that uh, it, it, we just have a one-way street. But um, if you look at the patterns of national level migrations, uh, we have many cases of secular migration, cases of rural urban migration. Uh, my colleague, uh, senior colleague Deborah Bryceson, uh, has documented in in, the, in cases in. Tanzania, um, in, in, in Africa, how um, urban residents move back 
uh, to live uh, in rural areas and live or um, move from rural areas, not to cities, but to peri-urban areas. So um, the movement, human mobility uh, within cities and across cities um, can be considered more complex than simply uh, uh, people moving more and more and more in, into cities. Very interesting, thank you. Uh, Franklin, to close on a personal note, how does the book fit into your larger research agenda and what are your plans for the next book? Um, I consider that my larger research agenda entails helping to show the grave limitations of conventional wisdom. Uh, helping to concretely demonstrate the deleterious effects of this uh, conventional wisdom on society, on economy, uh, and on environment, and helping, uh, contributing to developing a more comprehensive, more credible alternative approach which is uh, to political economy. This book is in that direction. Uh, currently, I am working on uh, the creation of poverty in Africa. I'm seeking to contribute to an emerging field of indigenous thought that we people of color call stratification economics. Um, this is a field of economics uh, that seeks to acknowledge the existence and persistence of chronic underdevelopment of minorities around the world. Um, the field seeks to challenge orthodox accounts of such wealth stratification and underdevelopment using diversionary explanations such as culture um, and offering alternative explanations and policy choices. The field is led by the eminent African-American political economist uh, William Darity Jr. of Duke University. Um, uh, and with my study of poverty and inequality in Africa, I'm seeking to contribute a monograph to the Cambridge University Press series um, on stratification economics under the editorship of Prof. Dalton. It, it sounds very interesting. We are looking forward to it. Congratulations for your work. It seems uh, amazing. Thank you, Thank you for, your, for your hard work on this field. Thank you so much, uh, Carlo and Andre, uh, for having me. Well, thank you. It has been a very interesting conversation. And as I would just like to remind everyone that we have been talking about <clears throat> Reconstructing Urban Economics by Z Books, published in 2016 with the author Franklin Gobengodun.